0: Today I want to talk to you about this discipline because it's so important. Did you know that every one of you were designed by God to have a physical family? In fact, there had to be some sort of a physical family for you to get here. Can I get a witness from somebody? You didn't just show up, right? I mean, and, And some of you had a wonderful physical family experience, but not all of you. Some of you, the physical family truly let you down. But hopefully someone else came alongside of you, and that's why we love the foster foster care families and adoptive families. Maybe someone came alongside you and showed you the love of a physical family, whether if yours did or not. But all of us were designed to have the support and the love and the encouragement of a physical family. But whether or not the physical family ever met your needs, I need to tell you, you were also designed for a spiritual family. God designed you for both. In fact, when you study in the Bible, every person Jesus ever called to come and be a part of his family, he called who are already in a natural family. But he called you from the, in the natural family to come alongside and know him, and when you come to follow Jesus, you are adopted into a spiritual family, and you can actually have two unique families in your life. Jesus actually uh, um, emphasized this one day as he was in a house, and he was teaching, And some people came to the door and said, hey, master, your mother and your brothers are waiting for you right outside. Jesus, a master communicator, right in the middle of his sermon without missing a beat, looks out over the audience and says, let me ask you, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And you know there had to be someone who thought he was being literal out in the crowd and probably hauled out, Mary, I know, Mary. And somebody else probably said, James, James, Jude, Jude. That's your brother's guy. You know him, Right? And Jesus, Jesus, without missing a beat, goes, let me tell you, whoever does the will of my father, they are my mother and they are my brothers. And what Jesus, Jesus wasn't discounting Mary or James or Jude or any of his other family. Listen to me. What Jesus was doing was, is he was communicating, we are designed for a physical family, and we're designed for a spiritual family. And we're saying you need both in your life. And the f- spiritual family can come from all kinds of backgrounds. Just look around this room today. All different age groups, all different backgrounds, all different ways of life, and all different past. But there is something amazing that happens in Jesus when he makes us one united family. And we all need the family. And together today, we're going to look at four reasons why we need each other. In fact, let's just practice right now. Online campus, you can do this in the comments. But in-house, look at two people right now and tell them, we need each other, whether you like it or not. All right? So, we need each other. And we're going to learn why. But to get the foundation of this, as we open our Bibles, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, here's what we see in the early church. And and by the way, this is after the ascension of Jesus. Jesus has gone on, and here the disciples are continuing to fellowship together and to be a family. The church has been born, 3,000 people are just saved, it's the day of Pentecost, and then Luke gives us this historical count of what happened thereafter. Look with me, Acts chapter two, verse 42, read with me if you would. It says, and they, what's that next word? Devoted, remember last week we talked about that means to be unswervingly loyal to. They were loyal to, they were devoted to what? The apostles' teaching. Last week we learned that is the the word of God, right? Now underline this, but also to the fellowship. And then underline this one, and to the breaking of bread. And together we're gonna talk about both of those because they are connected, and then finally, he said, they said unto prayer. And we'll get into that one next week. Today, we're gonna to talk about why do we need to be devoted to this fellowship? And what is this whole idea of breaking bread together? We need to see this, and it's built upon what Jesus taught them. In fact, what we see here in Acts is the early church modeling, watch this, what Jesus modeled to them. Look on the screen with me at Mark chapter 13 or excuse me, Mark chapter three, verse 13. It says, Jesus went up on a mountain and summoned those that he wanted and they came to him and he appointed 12. This is when he originally called 12 men to come follow him. Here's what I want you to capture. Don't miss this. If you miss this, you've missed everything today. The first calling on your life to a relationship is God calls you to a relationship with him. Jesus called them to come to him. He didn't call them just to get together and have a club. He called them to come be with him. He wants you to have a relationship with him. Some of you in this room, some of you watching online, are great at attending church. You're a part of the church, but you don't know Jesus yet. You haven't made the relationship connection with Christ yet, and I need you to understand, the first and most important relationship God wants you to have is a relationship with him. He wants you to know his grace, his love, his forgiveness of your sins. He wants you to know him as your heavenly father and you adopted as his son or daughter. God wants you in his family. I don't care where you are at and where you've been and what you've done. I'm telling you, God's love wants you in his family. You're the reason Jesus came. You're the reason Jesus died. You're the reason Jesus rose from the grave. And when you ask Jesus in your heart, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Bible says you shall be saved. Your baptism is then a confirmation to the congregation of an inward confession you've already made. This is the power of the gospel, but not only does Jesus want you in a relationship with him, because some of you think that if you have a relationship with Christ, that's all you need. You're good, you're not going to hell now, you're going to heaven when you die, woo, I got it, I made, I got my ticket punched, right? Wrong. There's more for you than just simply knowing you're going to heaven. God doesn't want you to live out your faith like a lone ranger. Anybody know who the lone ranger was? Uh, Last last spring, a bunch of us were at deer camp and we're hanging hanging, uh, stands up, uh, ladder stands up, getting ready for the, fall, getting ready for season. And one of the guys brought his son, who's, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. And he's helping, man. He's a good worker. He's carrying ratchet straps. He's helped us, you know, get the stands up against the tree. And, and, uh, uh, he, he did something with, he was working with me a little bit. And I said, great job, Kimo Sabe, And he just stopped right dead in his tracks. And he looked at me, he goes, what'd you call me? And I said, wait a minute, you don't know Kimo Sabe? He said, no. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I think the boys ought to throw the ratchet strap at me. I mean, he was serious. And I said, I said, have you never heard of the Lone Ranger? He goes, who's that? And I just looked at him in pure disgust and I said, I ain't talking to you, go talk to your daddy. And I just sent him on, go let your daddy tell you who the Lone Ranger, what do you mean you don't know the Lone Ranger? I know, and what's funny about this, all of you under 40 have no idea who I'm talking about. Right, He's like, who's a lone ranger? Google it. right? I mean, who is this, right? Here's all you need to know. God doesn't want you to live your faith alone, man. All right? He wants you to live it in communion. In fact, Jesus is going to show that. Look at Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed how many? 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in? How did he send them? How did he send them? He sent them in pairs, put the verse back up for me. He sent them up in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he told them, what did he tell them? The harvest is abundant, shout, yes, it is. But the workers are few, shout, oh my. Therefore, pray to the Lord the harvest to send out workers in the harvest, shout, I will. I love doing this because now you're on the hook. You just committed, thank you, I love you. Look at the last two words of what Jesus said, this is so powerful, Jesus says, to them in pairs, now go, ready, set, go. But when we go, watch this, watch this, we are called into a personal relationship with Christ, but then he calls us to gather with other believers to go. We go in his name. We don't go live out our faith alone, we need the fellowship, we need uh, relationships with one another and we need to go do ministry together. What did this look like in the early church? Well, it looks exactly like what Jesus did with them. So think about this, for the next three years from these passages what happened with the disciples and Jesus? They traveled together. They ate meals together. They talked about God together. They ministered to people together. Jesus modeled in front of them what a life looks like that loves God and follows the will of God. Jesus modeled in front of them how to touch people's lives. When a blind man said, Lord, heal me, Jesus didn't just simply say, go and see. He would put his fingers on the man's eyes. He touched him. When a leper was ringing his bell and saying unclean and you by law were to stay 10 feet away, Jesus didn't stay 10 feet away. He walked over and touched the leper, which was totally forbidden. He would touch the leper and let the leper know God loves you so much, he'll touch you in your mess. He was approachable while he's preaching. Children were drawn to Jesus. And they would come and the disciples, you read this over and over in the gospels, it happens more than once. They would try to keep kids away because kids naturally wanted to be with Jesus. How many know kids are a really good judge of character some days? And they wanted to be on Jesus. And Jesus would say, Leave them alone. Can you just imagine? Can you just see Jesus, God in the flesh, preaching with kids hanging around his ankles? Leave the kids alone. Let them come to me. Hey, hey, by the way, you want to go to heaven? You got to become like this. Come on, somebody. He showed compassion. And when we come to Acts now, how do you think these people are living? They're going to follow what Jesus modeled. Because listen, watch this, watch this, watch this. If you miss this, you miss it all. Jesus wants you to be saved. He wants you to come to him. But then he wants us to live this out together together. And Jesus modeled how to go, watch this, watch this, watch this, from being a part of the congregation or the gathering, and he moved them to being core participants in the kingdom of God ministry. And what God wants for every one of you in this room and every one of you online is God wants to move you from being in the crowd to being on the team. And being a part of what God wants to do on the earth. I'm not, I'm not even talking so much about CPC. I'm talking about what God wants to do on the earth. But I just believe if this is the spiritual family he wants you to be a part of, then what we're doing is about his kingdom, so you're going to be a part of this as well. But you're a part of his team wherever you are, at work or at school or in the community. God wants you to be a, not a participant or not a uh, not a a part of the audience watching. He wants you to be a participant in the ministry. He wants you to stop being a consumer and start becoming a contributor. And it takes all of us together, working together to do the work that God has called us all to do. One person, clergy, staff, pastors, deacons, elders, can't do it all. And they're not supposed to. If that's your theology of how the church should work it's wrong pure and simple it's not biblical it is a family loving and caring for each other go with me to acts chapter two and you see this in the history book here luke is writing a history book he says this is what it looked like look at verses 44 through 46 now all the believers shout all of them not just a paid staff shout all of them All the believers were together and they held all things in common. There's a word here. It's called koinonia. That's what the word in fellowship in verse 42. And they were devoted to the fellowship. It's koinonia. Uh, Here when they held all things in common. It's koinonia. In the Greek it's koinonia. In the English we have to use multiple words. Because of the depth of the meaning of the Greek word koinonia. The word koinonia literally means to suffer to partner, to care, to share, to love. It's this whole idea. And Look at this. All the believers were together, held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property, distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Every day, shout daily. daily. This isn't just on Sundays. You're not just a Christian on Sundays if you're truly saved. And he says, and they every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, shop big church. Did the early disciples still go to the temple? Yes. Well, I thought they were Christians now. Yes. But remember, I told you last week Jesus used the Old Testament to point them to Jesus. They could still go to the temple, even though they were Christians, and take everything that they were learning and point it to Jesus. And they were gathering. Christians didn't have buildings like this for the first 300 years of our existence, by the way. They met in the temple for big church, but then watch this, not just there. Every day they met together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. Now on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were added to the church. They couldn't all get to know each other. So what did they do? They worshiped in a big gathering and then they broke up into groups. And they met from house to house and they ate their food. Shout this is a great church. They're eating. They're enjoying the table together. Everybody loves a table. Shout amen. amen. Come on online campus, I know you do. And they're eating with joyful and sincere hearts. Here's what I want you to capture. This is the heart of koinonia. This is not socialism. This is not a political program of the rich giving their money to the poor. It is, it is not. We all got to be on an equal level. Th- let me tell you what's happening here. This is Christians loving one another so much that as they had opportunity, if someone in the group had a need, they were willing to self-sacrifice and make sure that needs were met. So it's not a political program. It's not a governmental program. This is just people living their lives, everybody loving on one another and helping where they could. It's this beautiful atmosphere of true fellowship. And they liked being together. They actually enjoyed getting together with other believers. And they're breaking bread. Now, some of you read that line, breaking bread, and you're going to say from your church tradition, oh, that, I thought that only meant the Lord's Supper or communion. It does mean taking the Lord's Supper and communion, but it also means more than. When you study the early church, you find out that critics of Christianity said that Christians, first century Christians had love feast. And they believed they were involved in incest because they called everyone brothers and sisters. And the secular world couldn't understand how these people could call everybody brothers and sisters and they were always getting together and eating meals together and and having these little groups. And they said, something's gotta be going on over there. Well, something was. They were loving God together and loving each other together. That's the beauty of a church when it's actually functioning properly. Now, is there a perfect church? Nope. Is Connection Point Church a perfect church? Nope. I'm not a perfect pastor and you're not perfect congregants. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, we're all in this thing together. Koinonia is not about perfection. Some of you have had some church hurt. Listen, I'm going to tell you, any church you join that has more than you in it, eventually someone's going to let you down. The question is, did they mean to? Is it because they actually don't care or maybe they've got a life too and no one can know everything about everyone all the time? Sometimes things go on in people's lives and they don't tell anybody and still get upset. And then you look around, you gotta understand, it's not a pastor's job or the deacon's job. We have you know, one lead pastor and seven deacons, and, and you say, wait a minute, there's thousands of people here. That's why we depend on you caring for one another, and especially this is why you need to be in a small group. You need to be in a group because in a group, you can get to know 10 or 12 other people a lot better than you can know a th- couple of thousand on the weekend. We need each other and there's something you need to understand. We actually do need each other. We need this environment. There's so much joy and fire and excitement that happens here. But you also need some people who can just live life with you and they got to get to know you and you got to be able to get to know them. Today, we're going to talk about that. Tonight, some of you are going to go to Super Bowl parties. It is Super Bowl 58 and the Kansas City Chiefs are in Super Bowl 58. It's got to be a sign. You know what I'm saying? No. Some of you are going to go to Super Bowl parties who don't even like football. Good. Why do people love to go to Super Bowl parties even if they don't watch the game? Food. And people. <laughs> We like the fellowship. We want to get together. Do you know that something amazing happens when we get around the table together? Isn't it amazing? You can get two men who won't say five words to each other in a public place, but you can get them to sit down at a lunch table in a restaurant. They'll sit for 2 hours talking about life. Walls come down around the table. The early Christians loved eating together with joyful and sincere hearts. That's more than communion. They were actually eating meals and taking time to live life together. And by the way, let me just say this. If you're wanting to share the gospel with someone, you wanna tell them your story about God, and you're having a hard time figuring out where or how to do it, can I just give you this little tip? It's a lot easier to share your testimony about Jesus sitting at a table with someone because the walls come down and everyone's a little more vulnerable when you start eating together. Create a welcoming environment when you share the gospel with people. And just give them your testimony and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. i encourage you to understand this. Look at this line. Here's what the church is. The church is imperfect people. Shout, that's me right there imperfect people living life together, serving a perfect God. Koinonia is we live life together. We give each other grace. We help each other the best we can. We love on each other. The best thing we can do for each other is to help each other keep looking up for we know where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. Let me share four things with you, and these are going to go quick. These are just the little aha moments of why we need to live life together. Number one is we need people to walk with us. We're on a faith journey, and you don't need to walk it alone. We need people who can come alongside and walk through this journey with us because here's what happens. Write this down. When you walk with other people in your faith, it gives you confidence and support. How many know that uh, you, don't, you feel more comfortable in numbers especially when you're going somewhere you've never been before. You gotta go somewhere you've never been before, you will look for people to go with you. It just gives you confidence and support and you're walking through a life journey that you've never been before. You need people who can walk with you. They may not know how to go there either. They may have never experienced what you've experienced. They may not have all the answers. People in the church don't have to know all the answers. We just have to go through the life experience together. We just gotta live it together. We need people to walk with us through whatever's coming. This is why Hebrews 10 says, we should consider one another and provoke one another. I love this. Provoke one another to love and good works. My wife fusses at me all the time because I'm always provoking the grandkids. And I'm like, I'm biblical right here. Of course, I'm not provoking them to love and do good works. It's usually the opposite. But anyway, we're to provoke each other and we're not to neglect the gathering together as some are. We're to encourage each other as we see we're closer to the Lord's return. Somebody shout, we need each other. Someone said this in Zambia. A Zambian proverb says this, when you run alone, you run fast. When you run together, you run far. Number two, we need people to work with us. How many know that God's given every one of us gifts and talents and abilities? Rick Warren would say it like this, you all have a shape. You have spiritual gifts you're given when you become a Christian. Some of you don't even know what all God's invested in you, but he's invested in you. You have a heart, you're passionate about something, you have natural abilities you were born with, you have your own personality and you have life experiences and God is a master at taking all of that together and helping you find areas where you can make a contribution to the work of God on the earth. You're all shaped. Ephesians 2.10 says we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus to go do good works. Snowflakes are frail and small. But if you put enough of them together, they can stop traffic. Amen? Number three, we need people to watch out for us. How many of you believe there's a real literal devil out there? Do you know many people in Christian churches today believe in God but don't believe in a literal devil? Can I tell you you can't have one without the other? You can't have good without evil, light without darkness. You need to know that the Bible says he's real. Jesus said he was real, called him a personal pronoun, said he's a thief and a killer and has been from the very beginning. We even have his name given to us in the Old Testament and how he fell from his position because God gave even the angels the free will to serve the Lord or not. You can't have love without free will. And yet God is still sovereign. You try to wrap that, your mind around that. Theologians can't even explain that. But I can tell you this, evil does exist and he's out to destroy you and hurt you and if he can't get to you, he'll get to the people you love and you need a group of people that you can get connected to in the faith, you need a church family who'll walk with you and help you uh, watch out for his attacks. You need people that you can get close enough to in the faith that you give them permission to walk with you, warn you, pray for you, encourage you, and when they need to, hold you accountable. No one likes that. Everybody likes to hold everybody accountable, if they can do it on social media where they can hide behind a screen and a thousand other likes, but that's not biblical. We're to hold each other accountable according to Galatians 6.1, privately and with a spirit of gentleness, knowing we may fall next ourselves. We need that, and let me ask you this. Have you given permission for anyone to walk with you through life's journey to hold you accountable and encourage you and pray with you. Have you given anyone permission to walk with you on your spiritual journey? We all need that. We need people to watch out first. To watch our back. Because Satan is always fighting against us. Amen? And number four, we need people who will weep with us. Can I tell you this? No one needs to go through a crisis alone. One of the critiques of large churches is, ah, oh, you can't, you go there, you just get lost. Well, you will if you don't get to know people. Can I tell you this? You can be a church of 50 and get lost. I, you know what? I, I, I had to answer a critique recently, and, uh, and I had to tell this person, the first church I pastored had seven people in it. Don't tell me I don't know about what it's like to be in a small church. And I feel as much Jesus in our church of thousands as I did that church of seven and one wasn't better than the other. And we all have a responsibility to love on one another and take care of one another and it's not the preacher's job, it's Christian's job. It is my job and your job. It is all of us together walking through life together, loving each other, holding each other accountable, helping each other through life struggles because we've all experienced them. And no one should go through a crisis alone. This is why we need to get into the fellowship, the koinonia of one another. Get in each other's lives, love on each other. Because God wants us to care. Listen, can I give you an illustration of this? Mark chapter 14, Jesus goes to the disciples, It's the night Judas sold him for 30 pieces of silver. You know what Jesus didn't say? Hey y'all, why didn't somebody warn me about Judas? Jesus wasn't caught off guard by Judas. But after Judas sold him, Jesus said to the disciples, look at verse, or just listen to me as I read to you, Mark 14, what's there on your message notes? Then they came to a place named Gethsemane and he told his disciples, sit here while I pray Then he took Peter, James and John, shout his three buddies. He took Peter, James and John, who were they? His three buddies. And Jesus began to become deeply distressed and troubled and Jesus said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death, remain here and stay awake. Watch this, Jesus the son of God was deeply distressed and going in a dark valley and he himself modeled, I need my buddies with me tonight. Could Peter, James, and John fix it? They couldn't fix it. Had they ever been there? They'd never been there. They didn't know how to talk. They didn't know how to help him. The Only thing Jesus asked for them is just be present with me. Sometimes people just need you to be present with them when they're going through a crisis. Just come sit with me while I pray. Stay awake. And you know what the amazing thing is? They couldn't even do that. They kept falling asleep. But Jesus had them there with him. Jesus had them there with him. He loved them. And folks, we need each other. Amen? Some of you today are going through something you haven't told anybody about. You need to come in a moment and meet one of our prayer team members up here at the altars or out in the lobby. If you go to that counter at our prayer ministry, we actually have private rooms. People go back there and pray with you and stay with you as long as you need today. Some of you need to go to your small group this week and say, hey, here's what I'm going through. Would y'all pray with me? We need one another and you need the freedom to have that relationship with other people. Maybe you need to take someone out to lunch and have a conversation with them this week. We need encouragement, we need accountability, we need each other. Some of you today need to stop consuming, start contributing and you need to go out there to the next steps or scan that QR code and sign up for the next starting point. And you need to join the partnership of CPC. We're not members here, we're partners together. I hate the word membership. We partner together to love and to care and to do ministry together. Some of you need to join a group some of you need to join a serve team. You've got a step to take. Join the koinonia. Live out your faith with a community. Some of you, today's your day to receive Christ and make him the Lord of your life. And we want to give you that opportunity. We're gonna get ready to stand in a moment. We're just gonna sing just a small portion of a song, give you a moment to pray and to think about the step God wants you to make. But here's what I want you to know. You need this, I need this. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Our community needs us to be connected in Koinonia. They need us to get connected to one another. You know why? Here's your big takeaway, write this down. The way in which we live out our faith as a spiritual family demonstrates to the world the authenticity of our faith in Jesus. If we don't love each other out here and you go out there and preach Jesus to them, you know what I hear a lot in the, in the secular world? I don't need Jesus because Christians can't even get along. Jesus in John 13 said, the world will be convinced you're my disciples if you love one another. And the way we love each other is a witness to the world around us. Amen.